are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I get aware of my age once in a while. I'm 87, soon be 88, and having a wonderful time, and uh, I enjoy every bit of it, but once in a while it gets a little close to me. Uh, Today, I rode down the plane from Chattanooga to Atlanta, and uh, that's the uh, American Airlines coming out, out of Chattanooga now, and got into Atlanta. When I got there, I came down the rampway down the steps and there stood a black lady with a wheelchair and she said get in sir <laughs> I said ma'am I don't want a wheelchair she said you're going to ride in it I said I've been sent here for you to ride in that wheelchair and I couldn't do a thing but get in it I got in holding a briefcase sitting in a wheelchair and this black lady pushed me down through the airport you know how big the Atlanta airport is and getting down to the Delta Airliners, and I'm riding in that wheelchair. Now, how in the world she did that, I don't know, but said, I have orders, and that I'm to put you in the wheelchair and take you to the next point of your trip. And I said, all right, lady, I'll get in, and I did, and I rode with her, but that's my first experience like that. And uh, I'm not sure that I like the idea. Somebody's getting me older than I want to be when they put me in a wheelchair. What a joy to be with you. This is an exciting church. Now, don't you ever forget it. I've been in churches everywhere, over the whole nation and around the world. But you have one of the most exciting churches I've ever been in all of my life. Now, I mean that. I mean that. I speak at uh, uh, Dr. Howell's church next week, and I still say the same thing. Now, your church is exciting. I mean, just plain exciting to be here. It's a joy to be with you. Praise God for you. I like the choir. I like the singing. I like all of it. I like the music. I like the way you do things. I like your enthusiasm. I like your interest. I like your zeal, your passion, your concern. I like all of it. And praise God for you. Thank God for every one of you. And Dr. Treber, God bless you, sir. And we're thanking God for you and for all you've done. You've inspired every one of us. And Dr. Jorgensen and the school and all the rest of the workers who are here, I'm not going to try to name them all, but uh, we're praying for every one of you that God will have his way with everyone. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And the word of God for tonight. I want you to think with me. And they mentioned a word a while ago that I use often, the word compassion. And uh, I want to give a message on compassion I do not think I've given it here in this meeting at all, in this church at all, but I want to give it tonight because I feel this is part of what I want you to have and what you want to have and what God wants you to have for the future. Now, Luke Bible, Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then said the unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I looked at that verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, 
he was moved with compassion on them. Jesus, the Son of God, moved with compassion on them. Now, if the Son of God had compassion, then how much more should we have it? How much more do we need it? He was the Son of God. And yet the Son of God looked on the people and had compassion upon them. Now, one single word explains why you're here tonight. Think of it. One word. Words compassion. You're here tonight because God loved you. For God so loved the world. You're here tonight because Christ died for you. You're here tonight because the Holy Spirit wooed you and convicted you. Three. You're here tonight because someone told you about Christ. All of it's compassion. Every bit of it compassion. Nothing else but the compassion. That's it. God cared. Jesus cared. The Holy Spirit cared. And someone cared for you. And in every case, someone is responsible for your coming to Christ. Someone gave you the gospel. In person, by radio, television. But somehow, you got it from someone. And you say, thank God for the message of Christ. Compassion. Compassion for a world lost in sin. Compassion. Compassion for the multitude standing on the brink of hell. Compassion. Jensen Taylor, that great missionary, China, went there for the first time, riding in a boat down through the street, water everywhere, the waterways, and people standing on the shores, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of them, and uh, Jensen Taylor saw them and cried like a baby. He wept over the lost of China and kept it up for a lifetime. Compassion, compassion, and we must have it. But you know, today we're losing our compassion. We don't seem to care much. A man walked down Market Street in Chattanooga, our main downtown street. He stepped off the sidewalk and into a, uh, into a parking lot to get his car. When he did, two men jumped on him, beat him to the ground, robbed him of his money, tramped on his feet, his hands, kicked him, beat him, stamped him and everything. He cried for help, helped, passed him by. People on the sidewalk, 15 feet away, they went on. Nobody, nobody stopped. And the two men beat him and beat him and robbed him and walked off. And finally a policeman saw him and called for an ambulance and took him to our biggest hospital in the city, Erlanger Hospital. And uh, I heard about it. And I went to see him. I said, sir, tell me what happened. He told me what happened. He said, strange thing. He stepped off the sidewalk and these two men jumped on me, robbed me of all the money I had and beat me and kicked me and stamped me and left me there and I cried for help and no one came until the policeman saw me and sent me out of the hospital. And over the whole story, when he came to the end of it, he said this, said, Brother Robertson, what's wrong with the world? I can tell you what's wrong, the world doesn't care. The world doesn't care. And that's the attitude of the world outside. But my dear friend, that's not true of you and not true of me. We must care. And we've got to say, oh, Lord, we do care. We care about the lost and dying of the world. And that's what your church is for. Right. To get people saved. Amen. This world not going on like it is always. Christ is coming someday. He's coming. He may come soon. May come tonight. May come at any moment. And he's coming. But you want to get people ready for the coming of Christ. And people saved and ready for eternity. And you go about it all the time. Now, compassion is our need. Compassion is a need that we have in churches, in homes, and everywhere. We must have compassion. We must have love. We must have concern for people around us who are lost and dying and going to hell. Now, I'll give the outline. Number one. Write it down, please. Compassion is understanding the need of man. That's number one. Compassion is understanding the need of man. Man, the lost sinner. He's condemned already, John 3, 18. All of his sin comes short of the glory of God. 
And men are lost, whether they're Chinese or Japanese or German, Russian or American, they're all lost without Christ. The soul that sinned it shall die. And we've got to see the lost, the educated, the uneducated, the rich, the poor, and all of it. And lost means hell. Lost means separation from God forever and ever. Lost means suffering, the awful agonies of hell, Luke 16. And all of it. Now, see the results of sin in this world. Today, hatred on every course in every nation. And bloodshed everywhere. Immorality common as dirt. And worldliness. And confusion. This is a part of the work of sin that we see in the world today. And we've got to see and understand the need of man. Man's a sinner and lost and condemned and going to hell. And only Christ can save him. Now we've got to see that. Now care. Uh, don't you ever get the idea, well, we're doing too much around the church. We have too much going on. No, 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 no. Don't worry about that. You say, well, we are trying this and trying that. No, you're doing it all for one great purpose, to reach people. And you're doing it. And thank God you're reaching folks. People are getting saved because of your Sunday school and your buses and all of your work. That's it. in the school. And you're doing the job that God wants you to do. Now you hold on to this. Man without Christ is lost. Condemned. Lost. Ted DeMoss, one of my deacons, walking down the big street in Toronto, Canada. And saw a man leaning up against a, a, a bank building on one corner of, the, of that street. And he walked over to him and said, sir, are you a Christian? Well, no, what you talking about? Well, Ted said, let me tell you what it means mean to be a Christian. And reached in for his testament. And when he pulled out, the man said, hold it, hold it. I'm a busy man. Don't have time for that. He said, give me a card. If everyone knows about being a Christian, I'll call you. My deacon couldn't do a thing, but hand me his business card. The fellow walked away. And Ted came home, back to Chattanooga. Some days went by, and then one day I had a telephone call from Boston, Massachusetts. And the phone call, the man on the phone said this, said, Sir, I'm the man you met in Toronto, Canada, some days ago. You gave me a card. And said, if everyone would know what it meant to be a Christian, that I could call you. And I said, he said, I'm calling now. I want to know what it means. And I want to know how to be a Christian. And the said, sit where you got my Bible here. I'll tell you right now. I said, no, you won't. I want in person. He said, I have my wife and chatting with me at 5.30 this afternoon. We'll, we'll fly in. And they arrived at 5.30. He went to the airport, took him to his home, and in less than 30 minutes' time, both of them were saved. Amen. Who are they? Mr. and Mrs. Nelson Blount, multimillionaires. Mr. and Mrs. Nelson Blount. And great, great people. And Blount became so taken up with the Lord Jesus. I met him the Sunday after he saved. He came to our church and sat on the front row and had his hand up. I said, these folks just got saved. They stood up there. And before I could do a thing, he took over the pulpit. I mean, he just walked up and took hold of it. He said, I want to tell folks what it means to be saved. Just been saved a few hours. And his wife the same way. And they became great for the work of God. Sent the daughter to our school. Sent many others to Tennessee Temple. Then he paid the bills for Camp Joy. And gave thousands of dollars. But after a while, Mr. Mr. Bunk got tired of being a businessman. He gave it all up. Resigned everything. And said, I want to spend the rest of my life telling folks how to be saved. He bought an airplane. Began flying around America. Everywhere he could go. And flying, telling folks how to be saved. And kept on doing it until one night his plane made a mistake and he made a mistake in the plane and crashed into a mountainside in Vermont and the end of life came. They asked me to come and have part of the funeral. I couldn't go. But I remember that. Wait a minute. That's a man getting excited about the whole thing. And this compassion is our need. The understanding of man, the need of man. But I hate the second thing. Write down please. Compassion is remembering what God has done for you. Think of it. Are you saved? My dear friend, that's a miracle. There's nothing like that in the world. You, you, you can't explain that. No, no, no. You're a child of God. Amen. 
You're eternal. Your home is in heaven. And you're going to live forever and forever because you're saved. Now, you see, we miss a whole lot. Remember what God has done for you. He's given you life everlasting. He's given you a name. And given you a position that will never be taken away from you. And you have the Holy Spirit within you. Oh, think of that. You're sitting here tonight in this prayer service. Every child of God here tonight has the Holy Spirit in him. Right? He, indw he indwells you. He, when you got saved, he came in. Now give him full sway. Follow him. Do what he says. And obey the Holy Spirit. And Paul often recalled what God has done for him. Now remember what God has done for you and tell others. Remember and tell it. Don't, you don't hold it, but go out and tell it. That's the command of God. That's the great commission to every one of us. And we're to go and give the gospel. And remember what God has done for you. And tell someone else. Had a man saved in chatting one Sunday morning. He came down the aisle and I met him at the front. And I took my Bible into the Lord. And he was a terrible looking fellow. Disheveled, hair long, uncut, uncombed, dirt on his face. And uh, didn't look too nice at all. And I, I rejoiced and praised God. He was saved we, uh, down the front row. And when I finished leading to the Lord, I came back on the platform. I came on giving invitation for the Sunday morning service. And they did so all of a sudden. I looked around. That fellow standing back of me. Came the pla down the front and up on the, pipe, on the platform. And when I looked around at him, he walked over to him and poked me in the side and said, Preacher, let me talk to him. I can do it better than you can. <laughs> you know what he meant? He'd been saved. He wanted to tell somebody about it. He wanted to tell someone about it. And came up on the platform. And he knew what to say. He had been born again. And he told the story. Now, compassion, remember what God has done for you. But let me hasten on. Number three, compassion is comprehending the love of Christ for a lost sinner. Let me repeat. Compassion is comprehending the love of Christ for a lost sinner. Now, see Christ talking to the woman in John chapter 4. See Christ talking to Zacchaeus in Luke 19. See Christ talking to the poor sinner on the cross as we are dying our sins. See all of that. Now remember that. Comprehend the love of Christ for a lost world and for a lost sinner, for you, for me. Amen. Comprehend, uh, comprehend this and get hold of it. Compassion is understanding the greatness of the love of God for a poor lost sinner. And this is a picture here in the Word of God. God so loved a lost, miserable world. So loved us that he gave his son to die for us, that we might be saved. I had a friend years ago with the name of George W. Truett. How many of you ever heard his name? George Truett, sure. Famous Southern Baptist preacher. I'm an independent. And uh, uh, we were good friends. I've been with him in meetings, and he knew, I was, he knew what I was, and no question about that. But George Truett was somebody. Think of it. He pastored one church 45 years. He never smiled, nor told a joke, nor laughed once in 45 years in the pulpit. Why? He killed a man. Accidentally, one of his best friends shot him accidentally and never smiled again. I talked to his daughter and I asked her, I said, have you ever seen your daddy really laugh? She said, no, that at home he smiled, but I've never heard him laugh out loud. And in the pulpit, never at all. Very solemn. And a great, great preacher. A mighty preacher. Tremendous in his preaching. I've been with him in meetings. I've been with him in banquets. I've talked to him. Prayed with him. I knew him well. But George W. Truett had something. He had love for souls. He loved people. He wanted to see people saved. And he gave himself to that. And my wife here tonight had pointed her out. 
she was saved in a meeting conducted by George Truett in Birmingham, Alabama. And she never forgot that. A great, great soul winner, a great power, a yet a strange, interesting man in many, many ways. When he came to his last illness, put him in the hospital in, in, in Dallas. And one night, a nurse came by after midnight and wanted to check with him, make sure everything's all right. And she opened up the door and stepped inside. When she did, she looked and saw Dr. Druitt stand at the window of that, that, whole, that hospital room way up in the air with his arms outstretched and praying, Oh, God, save the people of Dallas. Oh, God, save them. Bring them to Christ. Don't let them go to hell. A dying man is still pleading for souls to be saved. He died a few hours after that. But that little story never got away from me. The passion of a man's heart to see people born again. Now, I must do the same. I must have a concern for people. I must see their lost condition. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And I must point them to the Son of God, the only one who can save man. The church cannot save. Denominations can't do it. Good works cannot do it. Money cannot do it. But Christ can save. And Christ will save when people repent, believe, and receive it. But I've got to see a lost and, and dying world. I've got to love this world, love the lost souls, and point them to the Son of God. What a wicked, vicious world this is. What a strange world we live in. For example, I'm sitting in, a, in an airport in, Dallas, in no, Kansas City, Missouri, some nights ago. And uh, a man sat on beside me and reading a newspaper, read on for a while, then he threw, finished and closed up and threw the paper down and walked away. And when he was gone, I had some time to spend, so I reached and picked up the paper. And uh, I saw at once what he had been reading. He had folded the paper over. He had been reading a story on page one of a happening a few hours before in, Dallas, in, in Kansas City. A mother had been showing her little son, four years old, how to make his ABCs. And the little fellow had been trying, but not succeeding very well. And she kept repeating and showing him how. And after a while, the father walked in, looked down, and saw the mother and the boy, what the mother was doing, and said, Mother, let me show him how I can do it better than you can. And the mother got up, and the father sat down, took the pencil, and began making the ABCs for the boy. and said, Now, son, you make them like your daddy. And the little fellow tried, but failed. He said, Son, watch me carefully. He made them again, make them like your daddy. And the boy tried and failed. When he failed the second time, the father got out of his chair, reached down, took the boy by the arms, raised him up in the air, threw him on the floor, tramped on his body with his feet. And the newspaper said the boy's in the hospital with many broken bones in an unconscious state. And the father behind the bars of the county jail. Now, I read that story. I thought of the world. I thought, what a vicious, dirty world this is where people don't care. They don't care in Washington. They don't care. They don't care at all. They don't care in New York City. They don't care in Chicago. They don't care in Los Angeles. They don't care. People just don't care. And they're way, way off from God. And yet Christ died for them that they might be saved. And he wants to bring them to salvation. And it's our job to say to them, Jesus died for you. And you can be saved by your simple faith in the Son of God. But before we do anything, we must have compassion. And oh God, make me compassionate to love people and to point people to the Lamb of God. I come to number three. Compassion is an awareness of judgment. Compassion is an awareness of judgment. Compassion. Hebrews 9, 27. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. 
Men without Christ will come into judgment. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Now, wait a minute. We've got to see that compassion is an awareness of judgment. Men are under the judgment of God without Christ and lost. Sin brings judgment. The soul that sinned it shall die and condemned already. And we've got to see that compassion is awareness of that judgment that falls upon every man. Your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, your neighbor, your friend. All without Christ lost. We've got to have compassion upon them. We must not fail. Hyman Appleman, the Jewish evangelist now with the Lord, a great friend of mine. I've been with him so much in my meetings in, in church and other places. But a great man. A committee came to see me from Bessemer, Alabama. said, Brother Robertson, we want to have a citywide revival in Bessemer. We want a good evangelist. Would you recommend one? I said, I surely want to recommend Hyman Appleman. They said, do you, know, you think he can do it? I said, no, he can. I said, he knows how to preach. He does preach. He loves souls, wants to see people saved. I know he can do it. And I told him the whole story. They said, well, if you feel you recommend him, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get him. And so they got him. He came to Bessemer, had a big uh, city-wide meeting of the whole city of Bessemer on the edge of Birmingham, and the crowds came. Monday night, I was there to hear him, and many, many were saved. The building was packed and jammed, and old Hyman stood there and preached. If you remember that Jew, many of you heard him, how he would stand and preach. And gave him the second night the same way, and people came down the aisle getting saved. But on Wednesday of that week, a committee came to see me, three pastors. They said, Brother Robertson, we like this man, Hyman Alpham, he's a good preacher. We don't like his invitation. We'd rather a man would preach and if people want to get saved, good. If they don't want to, don't bother them. Don't, don't be too hard on them. And let them go. And they, we, we want you to go and tell him. I said, I wouldn't tell you anything. I said, I'm not going to tell him a thing. I recommend him to you. I recommend him now. But I wouldn't tell him how to give an invitation. And he knows how. And uh, I said, if you want to tell him, tell him yourself. They said, well, we'll do it. They left me and went out. The best from Alabama went to the hotel where he's staying. They found his room number and walked down the hall and came to his room. When they got to the room, they found the door just cracked slightly, and they stopped. And as they did, heard a voice. They got up closer and recognized the voice of Hyman Appleman. They pushed that door open slightly and stepped inside. And as they did, they saw Hyman. He didn't know they were there. Down on the floor, on his knees. And they saw him as he prayed to reach over and take a chair, take a chair, and hold out his hand up in the air and pray and pour out his heart to God for souls to be saved. Amen. They watched that Jew as he prayed and agonized, perspiration rolling down his face, and a big chair up in his arms as he prayed and called upon God to save souls. He backed up there and came back to see me and said, You're right, we're not going to tell a Jew anything. And they didn't. And Best Alabama had a revival. The only one they've ever, ever had in history. But it was there because that Jew who loved Christ and loved souls was agonizing over lost people. Now what? Write down the thought. Compassion is an awareness of judgment. The lost man is condemned already. Your son, your daughter, your mother, your father condemned already. He that believeth not the great white throne judgment will mean condemnation forever. 
And that brings the fact of hell in Luke 16, 23. The rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Matthew 25, 46, and these shall go into everlasting punishment. He that believeth not is condemned already. The lost condemned. Now keep your compassion. Don't you lose it. Don't lose your compassion. And pray, oh God, give me a greater longing and a, and a, a greater urge to give the gospel and to visit, knock on doors and visit people over the city as you're doing now. Keep it up. Keep it up. You say you don't see results. Keep it up anyway. You say, many people say, you just keep on giving the gospel. You know what he said. And don't you worry about a thing. And don't let anything, don't, don't let your compassion fade away. But keep that compassion for souls all of the time. And Jesus move with compassion. I've always liked the name of Robert Murray McShane. A Scotch preacher and a great man died just after he was 30 years of age. Made a trip to Israel, came back home, greatly moved and burdened, and a great soul winner. But I read about Robert Murray McShane and a, a little couple come to visit the church and look around to see the place after Mac Murray, Robert Murray McShane had passed away. And they saw the building and they walked inside and found the gender and said, would you tell us something about Mr. McShane? He said, oh, yes, I will. He said, uh, if you'll uh, just come and stand right here in the front, please. And they stood there. He walked up on the platform and in that big uh, empty church where McShane had preached and died uh, almost in his preaching. And he stood there, and he raised, opened the Bible up and put it out on the, on the platform. Then the old man bent over and put his head down in the Bible and began to cry like a baby. He said, this is how Mr. McShane preached, with tears and agony of soul. And God blessed him, and God used him. And that's what God wants out of all of us. Let your compassion move you to see people in the lost and dying condition under the judgment of God without Christ. And point them to the loving Savior and say, He's the one who can save and keep and satisfy all who come to Him. Give him a last thought, number five. Compassion is a stirring of the Christian to witness. A stirring of the Christian to witness. Compassion. Put down Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. And the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. A compelling compassion. Pray that God will give it to you. A compassion to give out the truth of God that only Christ can save and keep and satisfy. A compassion that helps you look down to the lowest and the worst of men and point them up to the Savior. A compassion that will keep you at it night and day for all of your life. A compassion that will drive you on to give out the gospel. Listen to the Apostle Paul. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost. That have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul is saying, I'd be willing to be lost if I could win them. I'd do anything in the world if I could bring my brethren and the kin my kinsmen and the Jewish people to Christ. His heart was burdened, and he was weeping over, over the lost. His heart was stirred to witness to them, and it did witness to his dying hour. And this is what God wants of you. Acts 16. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. 
in thy house. An urging, a drive, a compelling that causes you to give the gospel and do the job. I preached out in Houston, Texas in a very beautiful church, a lovely little place, a packed house. And uh, I stood to preach on one evening I was there and looked around the big building and back toward the rear, three or four rows up, stood a man, a big fellow, with a big red cap on his head in church. I'm old-fashioned. I think when a man goes to church, I'll take his hat off. Matter of fact, I think when a man goes in a house, I'll take his hat off. I think when a man eats dinner, I'll take his hat off. I'm not modern. I'm old-fashioned. And that old boy's in church right back there on that side. And he's standing there with a big, big red sweater on and a big red cap on a big fella. And uh, I was tempted to say, sir, you're in church. Take your hat off. But look to the guy, he was too big. I said, I'll be better leave him alone. So I didn't say a word. I preached my sermon. I gave an invitation. And on the invitation, many people came forward being saved. Praise God. And as they're dealing with the converts in the front, I walked to the back. And there he stood, just like this. Big cap on his head. I said, Sir, you a Christian? He said, No, sir. I said, Do you want to be? He said, I don't know. I said, would you like to know how to be saved and go to heaven when you die? He said, well, maybe. I said, come on with me. And to my surprise, he left there and started down the aisle. And coming down the aisle, he said, took the cap on his head and took it under a bench. Got rid of that. I said, come here. And he knelt down the front. He knelt down and took my Bible, took my Bible and led that man to the Lord. That great big fellow. And he accepted Christ and rejoiced and praised God for all of it. And stood there before the whole audience and looking at him, a big old red sweater on there and big old muscles. And he said, I, I've been saved and I'm a child of God. I'm glad. I'm happy. I'm saved. And while he stood there, I said, sir, let me ask you something. How'd you happen to get here tonight? He said, he brought me. He pointed toward the back where, where I'd found him. There's the little man in a, a dark suit, could not weigh 135 pounds. And a white shirt and a black tie. A little fellow. I said, what do you mean he brought? He said, well, I sat in front of the drugstore a block away. He came by and said, let's go to church. They said, no, I don't go to church. I don't believe in church. I don't like church. He said, you come on with me. He said, no, I'm not going. He said, that little fellow recently took me by the hand. He said, you come on. He said, before I knew it, I walked down the street. Now, I couldn't believe myself that I followed that little fellow down. He brought me inside the church, put me down in the seat back there, and, and said, you sit right there. And he said, I did, and heard the gospel, and I'm saved tonight. Wait a minute. That's what God can do. He can use any one of us to point people to the Lamb of God. And we'll do so, but we must have compassion. There must be compassion, compassion, compassion. With this, I close. I preached on this word, compassion, another sermon, this word, compassion, in a church up in West Virginia, way back in the hills. And I gave the message and had a good response to the invitation, and the folks went home. One lady went home by the name of Dooley, Mrs. Dooley, member of the church. Went home, burdened for her husband. He was a lost, a lost man, a wicked sinner. And she came home and knelt in prayer for him. She prayed and prayed and prayed until past midnight. He came in. When he came in, he said, she said, I've been praying for you. In the, in the church tonight, Brother Robertson preached on compassion. And I haven't loved you like I should and haven't prayed for you like I should. And I want God to forgive me. I want you to be saved. I said, I don't care a thing about that. I don't want anything to do with that door. And she, she said, he said, I'm going to bed and get my rest. And said, I've got to work tomorrow. And, and uh, said, I said, I don't have any time to waste with you. 
And he started leaving. She said, well, you can go to bed, but I'm going to pray for you all night long. He said, pray all you want to. So I went to bed in the next room. But he didn't figure on something. She prayed out loud. I mean, really out loud. And she called upon God to save his soul and kept up. He couldn't sleep. So I got up and went back in the room and said, no, you stop that, you keep me awake. But said, uh, don't mind praying, but don't pray out loud, just keep it still. No, I'm going to pray for you out loud all night long, all night long. He went back to bed and tried to go to sleep, and he couldn't, so he came back the second time. He said, now, honey, this is going far enough. I'm getting mad. Now, you can quit the whole business. I don't want a thing to do with you at all. And she said, I don't care what you do. I'm going to pray for you all night long. I made, told God I'd do it. I'm going to pray for you till you promise me to, to hear the gospel or go to church and get saved. I, I, I'm going to keep on praying. She said, he said, no, no. I said, I'm going to pray. And so finally he broke down. He said, now listen, if I'd go to church tomorrow night and hear that fellow Lee Robertson, would you stop your praying tonight? She said, if you'll go to church tomorrow night, I'll stop praying out loud. But I'll be praying anyway. But I said, I want you to go. I said, all right, if you'll stop your praying, let me get my sleep and get my rest for tonight. I'll go tomorrow night with you and hear that fellow. Next night came along, the old church filled. I can see the building now, packed and jammed. And uh, sitting in chairs in the aisles. I preached a sermon, gave an invitation. And many came forward. And when they came, uh, I, I said, I wonder if there's someone else here tonight would like to be saved. Would you raise your hand? And hands went up, and over next to the wall, a man raised his hand, sitting in a chair in the aisle. I said, sir, come on. He said, no, not now. And I know, I, I felt impressed. I said, keep this on going. I want to speak to this man. I went back to him, got on in front of him. I said, sir, you're a Christian. He said, no, I need to be saved now to get, get, uh, get born again, be saved now, and go to heaven when you die. You need Jesus. He said, no, no, I don't want that. I don't want any of that at all. Don't care a thing about it. I said, okay. But, but you listen to me. One of these days, you're going to have a wreck. And your car is going to be torn to shreds, and you're going to be killed, and you're going to come to in hell. I said, if you want to take a chance on that, okay. And I got to walk away. I came back to the platform no sooner I got there than, boy, I saw that big fellow get up from a chair and come run down the aisle. He raced down there. He said, I want to get saved now. He said, that man almost scared me to death. He said, I had a wreck last week and totaled my car. I had my, my, my back was injured from that wreck. I was sitting down tonight, and uh, I don't want to go to hell. And if I died last week, I'd have been lost. I want to get saved. And the men came around him and took the Bible and led Mr. Dooley to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how wonderfully he was saved. And the crowd rejoiced. Oh, they praised God for it. And I said to the converts, about 15 or 20 of them, I said, stand up here at the front. We want to shake hands with all of you. And they all lined up there. And this fellow duly came and stood at the end of the line, a great big blustering fellow, and he's crying because he was born again. And uh, they stood lined up there. Uh, all, uh, all of a sudden, I was going to have the prayer. And then say, come and shake hands. And this fellow duly raised his hand. And he looked up at me and he said, uh, Brother Robertson, would it be all right if I get baptized tonight? I said, sure, if you're saved, you can be baptized tonight. And uh, they had a baptistry on the side, not in the back, but over on the side of the building. You know, the building on the side sometime, and it was empty. And so I said, Pastor, what about that? Could he get baptized tonight? He said, well, it takes two and a half hours to fill a pool. And I said, Brother Dooley, better wait till another night. Take two and a half hours to fill a pool. I said, no, I'd be willing to wait. It doesn't bother me at all. He said, I'll wait. And uh, I said, Pastor, he said, well, you better tell Mr. Dooley it'll be ice water, be cold water. We can't heat the water. And, and so I told him, I said, Brother Dooley, you couldn't stand it, but the water would be so cold. He said, oh, it doesn't bother me at all. I said, I'm saved now, and I'd just like to be baptized. And I said, Preacher, he said, all right. So he turned the water, they turned the water on. I had the closing prayer. I'm not joking. The closing I believe every soul sat down and stayed. Not one left. 
And we sang, we sang hymns, we testified, we did it all to almost midnight. Almost midnight. And at almost midnight, I walked down the front and I said, Pastor, what do I say? We're ready. I said, he said, send him on back. So I, I went down and told him, I said, Mr. Dooley, if you go back now and get ready to be baptized, we went back and came in that icy water. I mean, cold, icy water. And was baptized. And shouting and praising God for all of it. And I can still see him. Came out of there and came back around the front still with the wet clothes on. They're soaking wet. I meant to, meant to tell you, they didn't have any clothes to feed him, so he had to wear his own suit. And got baptized in it. And he said, I've never been as happy in my life. I've been a drunkard. I've been a gambler. I've been everything wrong, but I know that now I'm saved and that I'm happy in the Lord. And praising God for it and, and rejoicing at all of it. And I knew we'll forget him to stand there. And the crowd, that was almost midnight. We had the closing prayer. They started going out. And finally, I took him with the arm and laid him out. I thought he'd better get home and get those wet clothes off and, and miserable weather. And got him outside and uh, got him in the car. And, uh, and uh, I told him goodbye. And he lowered the window and waved his big wet arm at me going down the highway and thanked me for telling him about Jesus and getting him saved and praising God for all of it. And when he was gone, the pastor turned and said, Brother Robinson, we have had a great service tonight. Would you come by my home and let's have a closing prayer together, a prayer in the home together before you go back to your motel? I said, yes, sir. I went next door with him to his home. We sat down and got the Bible. Got ready to read a little bit and then to have prayer together. And when it did, all of a sudden came and knocked the door. He said, who in the work of that? It'd be past midnight, past midnight then. And he said, well, go to the door. He said, I went to the door. I went with him. At the door stood Mr. Dooley, soaking wet, soaking wet. He said, gentlemen, I got saved tonight. I meant that. I meant it with all my heart. I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I know that. And he said, I just want to come by and tell you. He said, uh, he said I, I made up mine. I'm living for Christ. I want to serve him the rest of my life, no matter what happened. I'm for him. And I said, God bless you, brother. Do that's wonderful. And the pastor said, God bless you, sir. And so he started to leave. Got out at the end of the walk. Now it's way past midnight. Think of that up in West Virginia. And going down the walk, got to the end and turned back. He said, gentlemen, it doesn't mean a thing to you, but it means a lot to me. He said, uh, I've been smoking all my life. I smoked a cigarette, cigar all my life. I've been smoking as a kid. The night I started home in the car and going down the highway, I did what I do all the time, reached out for my cigarette, put it on my mouth. And all of a sudden, I remembered I was saved. I tore the thing out of it, opened the window, threw it out. He said, that doesn't mean a thing to you, but it means a lot to me. I'm giving Christ my whole life. I'm surrendering everything to him. He's my Savior. My friend, the great word is compassion. Let God move your heart. Say, oh God, I want to love souls more. I will love Christ more. I want to win people to my Savior. He alone can save and satisfy the heart. I want to do my best to win others. That's my prayer. How many of you tonight say, Brother Robertson, I do want to have compassion. I'd like to come and kneel at this altar tonight and say, Oh God, restore my compassion. Give me a, a new compassion for the lost. You come on if you want to. Just kneel around the altar. It's all right. Men, women, children, anybody can come. I just want to have compassion. I want God to use me. Now tonight that there's someone here who is not saved and you want to be saved tonight, then come on. Right now, the pastor is ready to talk to you and I'm here. We're all here. And if you've never been saved, come. But if you're saying tonight, oh God, this I need. 
I need compassion from my heart. I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a witness for Christ. I want to keep at it night and day. I want to point people to the Lamb of God. I want God to use me. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the ones who are on their knees. They're praying now. Thou seest every one of them. And may this be a moment when they'll say, Dear Lord, we want your will to be done. Move our hearts. Help us to love thee more. And help us to witness more. And point people to the Savior night and day. Use everyone, the young people, the older people, the older church members who have been here a long time, those who have just joined recently. Thou knowest everyone. Help us, our Father, to point people to the Lamb of God. Give us compassion, we pray. A great compassion for the souls of men. Bless and lead and guide and direct in every life for Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.